Hey everybody, welcome to this week's podcast. I got some cool stuff to talk about this week and some fun, weird ones. So if you're normally the type of person that skips around, maybe try and stick with some of the other stuff because I think you might be at least interested to hear about it, even if it's something you wouldn't actually get. But anyway, let's jump in and see what we got. First up, Apple platforms are now supporting the Switch Online classic-style Bluetooth controllers. So if you have an Apple TV or any iPhone or anything on iOS or iOS or however the heck you're supposed to say it, you should just be able to get the latest version and sync your controllers directly to it. So this was a small one, but something I felt was worth mentioning in case you have those Switch Classic Online controllers and Apple products. Maybe you'd want to play your retro-inspired games or even like the Christian Whitehead Sonic games using retro controllers paired to it. I don't think anybody did any kind of lag testing, and I don't know if anybody's ever lag tested Apple TV at all, to be honest. But I guess that's something for a future project if anybody's interested. Next up, Russ Lyman recently posted a really fun video showing how he took a clear Retro Game Restore Genesis prototype shell and made it look bloody for Halloween. And not only do I appreciate art projects like this, I especially appreciate them when they're using shells that were in a condition that you wouldn't feel comfortable selling them. So yellowed and cracked, or in this case, a a prototype that was kind of beat up because it was a pre-production prototype that both Retro Gamer Store and myself were using for testing and it's the one I did the live stream with. So Russ was able to repair it, add a, a, a standoff, and then add blood splatter, and then these very cool liquid packets, which for the purpose of this video, I thought was absolutely amazing. Uh, I think if you wanted to do something like this to your own Genesis, you probably wouldn't want to suspend liquid above it, but Russ even said that in the video. It's more about a fun art project. So this is just another fun, silly one that I really wanted to share because I think people might get a kick out of it. But if you're somebody who does any kind of modding or artwork or painting to the cases, I really love when I see it done to stuff like this or like the cracked yellow cases and because uh, it just breathes completely new life into something that was potentially chunk before that. So well done, Russ. I gave also gave Russ a stack of beat up old cases, one that was especially damaged. So I'd love to see him do something crazy, like, I don't know, repair cracked plastic with concrete and paint over it. I don't know. I'm being silly here, but go at it, Russ. I can't wait to see what you come up with next. This week's podcast is once again brought to you by JLC PCB. And last week, we decided to just put the PCB order in. They should be arriving any day now because I always pick that fast shipping because I think that's pretty awesome that they're able to get here so quick. But I ordered the PCBs, I ordered the parts, and now I'm just waiting for them to come so I can assemble them, do a live stream testing it out, and see how everything works. But for now... I kind of want to show what's going on in the process and what would have been going on if we selected the assembly option as well. So here is the JLC factory tour and how all of this stuff works after you place an order. So while I've never been to an assembly facility as impressive as JLC PCBs, I have been to places like it and I can kind of walk you through what it is that you're seeing here. They have a giant warehouse of component preparation and each shelf is numbered and corresponds to your order so that when your order is ready, everything gets scanned in as well as your PCBs and your stencils. 
And now when you have a PCB assembly made, a stencil is required because everything's done through machinery for surface mount stuff. So a few weeks ago, I talked about having a stencil for making your own stuff on a reflow oven. Here's how it's done in a factory environment where the machinery goes through and spreads the solder paste only on the areas of the PCB that require any of the components. Then it gets scanned through a different machine to make sure that nothing splattered and everything lines up. And then comes my favorite part of watching these videos, the pick and place machine. These are different machines that go through and take individual components and place them exactly where they need to be on top of the existing solder paste. These things are so cool to see in person and it's so interesting and fascinating to me how they get programmed to put everything in the exact place they need. But it's not quite done from there. While it's sticky on there, it won't be until it goes through the reflow oven where it's heated up to the correct temperature in order for all of the components to permanently bind to the board. Then it gets inspected to make sure there's no craziness on it and you know nothing splattered through. And then it's sent to the final through-hole assembly. And these are for scenarios like if you have a build that has a bunch of surface mount components, but then a few through-hole components like a SCART connector or a VGA connector. Those have to be soldered through by hand and those are manually done by people on an assembly line who also do the final checks and finish it off to make sure everything looks the way it's supposed to be. So that's it for this time. Not sure where we're going to go next week. Maybe I'll show some of the process of how I was able to take those PCBs and finish up a prototype. Maybe we'll start a brand new project. Not really sure yet, but we'll figure that out next week. If you have a mister connected to a dedicated arcade style setup, you're probably going to want to pay attention and watch this video and read the post. But if you have a mister that's connected to a dedicated, vertically oriented Tate setup, you really need to watch the video. And I said that in social media, and I truly meant it, because thanks to people like developer Alex Upton, Wizzo, and of course the Ypsilon, through these awesome scripts, we are now able to have a very cool configuration for dedicated arcade setups. And the basic run-through is stripping down the mister to only update with what you need, and then configuring it and orienting it in a way where it's a workflow that feels more like an arcade machine with no keyboard necessary unless you're doing major changes, um, access to a lot of extra features that you would, wouldn't normally be able to get to on a CRT. It really kind of just covers absolutely all ground for that, for at least getting started. The few things that I weren't or was not able to show in the video was that on my horizontally or oriented arcade machine that I'm still fixing up, I basically did the same thing, but I uncommented the uh, exclamation part or exclamation point from the console cores, so I could add that on there. You'll see what I mean if you read the post or watch the video. And also, I, I hadn't really done any testing for people who use 31 kilohertz VGA CRT monitors for stuff like this. Should just be as easy as adding that forced scan doubler thing. And I also didn't test with direct video, but should also be pretty much exactly the same. So if you have dedicated setups, definitely give this one a watch. Check out the post. And of course, any feedback at all you have, let me know. I'm going to do at least one follow-up, which is probably going to be more of a live stream because this video took forever. But once again, I just wanted to thank everybody that always helps out with this stuff. Uh, I definitely bugged Wicker, Waka, and Risha during the process of this multiple times. So I just genuinely think it would be a help. And it doesn't matter if it's a dedicated CRT setup or a dedicated flat panel setup. If you really just want a mister in, in an arcade feel, 
definitely give this one a watch. Marcus just released a new firmware for the OSSC DEX, which is an add-on board for the DE10 Nano, the same root of the Mr. FPGA project, that turns it into a scaler that's more powerful than the original OSSC, but not quite as powerful as the now on hold OSSC Pro project would have been. So I kind of lovingly refer to it as the OSSC Pro Lite, because I think that's, while a stupid name, a pretty good visualization of what you could do with this. And the features Marcus added are kind of broken into two categories. And the first one is more pro user related. So I'll just run through those real quick. For anybody looking to do BFI testing, there's 240p120 and 480p120 modes through the scalar output. So still the highest latency output, about two frames, just under two frames or something like that, if I remember correctly. So still a pro feature at the moment. If you understand why you would want to be testing that stuff, go for it. If not, I'll have another follow-up probably live stream most likely before the end of the year that really demos this and finally answers the question of what's better line doubling and adding scan lines or running in BFI 120 mode. I actually think just the basic line doubling is probably better in almost all cases, but we'll prove that later on this year. And the other thing that was added is a 540p video mode for people that want to use HDMI to component converters to run their signals into something like a Sony HD CRT. That video probably won't be out till next year, but I am working on a very in-depth video on how to use these HD CRTs that are normally terrible for retro, but really good for sixth gen stuff. So that'll be out probably next year. So those are the pro features, but here's the feature that everybody could understand. Marcus now added the ability to move the DEX board to the other side of the DE10. So all you'd have to do, and I have instructions here for exactly how you set up a DEX, how you format it. I probably should have done these right when the project was launched. However, all you have to do is uh, choose the update file that selects whether it's GPIO 0, the original location, or GPIO 1. And by putting it in 1, it allows you, if you want to, to leave the MISTERS RAM module still connected to GPIO 0. Now, a quick note, the audio cable goes in the exact same spot in the exact same orientation. So most likely, if you have a DEX and you made an audio cable, you probably need to make a little longer one now for it to fit, which is why the picture in the post shows the audio cable unplugged because I didn't make a longer one yet. But this opens up a bunch of cool possibilities. And I'm going to talk about wish list stuff, and I could very well be talking out of my ass right now because I'm not 100% sure how easy or hard any of this stuff is. But since we could now leave all of this connected, that essentially means people who only game on HDMI monitors could just swap micro SD cards between this being their main scaler or their mister, which for a lot of people, I think that's their workflow anyway. They use a lot of the cores on the mister and whatever the mister doesn't support yet, they run through a switch through a scaler. So if you were planning on using the DEX, now it's even easier. I do know somebody that's going to be probably working on a case for this to make it feel a little bit more contained. But now that there's the potential to really utilize this as a very easy swap back and forth, there are two things that I, were, I was hoping for. First, all of the people who have created those awesome projects like the TTY to OLED that allow you to display stuff on screen when the mister is running, can you use the decks to do that? I don't know if, if that's even possible, but... The OLED screen is also optional on the DEX. You don't need it. You could only use the OSD. It is very helpful, though, just like the screen on your original OSSC, just in case there's signal issues or just being able to reference what you're doing. So 
if people have a DEX and if people got the uh, the screen add-on, can that be made so that when you boot everything up, you could see what core is running, what game is running, all of the awesome features of those other projects? The other question is, would it be possible to launch the DEX or the DEX's OS or however you want to say it from the Mr. menu? Now, I am not talking about full Mr. integration. That is a huge undertaking. Sorge would have to really sign off on that. And with all the love and respect of the world, I don't think there's enough people that would be using this to justify a global change to all of Mr. However, what would it be or what would it take to just go and drop a file in the utilities folder so that you boot your Mr. and then you boot Dex and that's how you get to the scaler? And then it would just disable all Mr. features so you don't have to worry about integration have to be power cycled to get back to Mr. But I don't think that would be, I don't think people who would use that would care about that. Now, it definitely definitely begs the question of what is easier for people to do? Just swap micro SD cards or possibly even look into one of those two to one micro SD switcher boards that are out there and integrate that into the case. Is that easier or having to go into Mr.? grab your controller, go to the utilities directory and launch Dex every time you want to use the scaler. What's the the lesser of two evils or is it about split? So half the people listening might want one or the other. I don't know, but that's why I'm presenting these questions to the Mr. Community. So first and foremost, if either of those things are really hard, forget I even asked, my, my bad. Um, but if they're easy, it would be very cool to see both of those just to kind of keep this workflow going a little bit better. Because the one thing I'm really trying to do, like I was talking about in the Mr. video I just talked about a second ago, I really think that um, if we could just reduce the amount of time it takes to get to the game, more of us will probably end up playing more games. So it's just one of those things where having everything in one might be a better solution for some people. So wanted to put those ideas out there. I, I just wanted to see if that was even possible. And, you know, of course, it would always be nice to think of something like full integration. So Mr. could also be a scaler. But once again, I don't I really don't think that's something that would justify all of that work. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe maybe the Mr. Team would think that's really cool and they're already working on it. I don't know. I don't think so, though. But uh, any other information, including how to flash it, how to determine where to plug everything in, and all of the info you need to know is in the post. So check that out if you're interested. Developer Nick, a.k.a. Bucket Mouse Byte, recently created an open source project that lets you turn a Game Boy DMG into a Game Boy Color. Tito from Macho Nacho Productions just did an in-depth and awesome video about it that goes into all the details and shows everything that you would need. But here's the basic idea. Let's say you have a dead Game Boy Color. Screen's dead, it won't boot, and you have a DMG that you like. You like the size and the form factor, but you wish it was a Game Boy Color. Now you could use this project to transplant the chips over and get it working so that you basically have a Game Boy Color in a DMG shell. I think for the exact scenario I just described, it's awesome. It's a lot of work. You have to desolder some chips, which is definitely not a beginner thing. Tito shows all of this right in the video. I do think your average person that would want a Game Boy Color in a DMG would probably just try to find uh, that style shell. I'm not sure if that exists, but that should be something that people might want to work on too. Just take the guts of a, a color and put it in this new shell that feels like a DMG. I might be one of the only weird people that prefers the feel of the original, but uh, you know, this is one of those proof of concept things that I think is awesome. However, being the annoying nerd that I am, Nick, Bucket Mouse Bite, if you're listening, why I, while I see this being pretty neat, but not as easy as a solution as just a new case, 
What I do think would be pretty incredible is what if you could do this with a Super Game Boy? What if you could find a couple of dead Game Boy colors and be able to transplant that chip in, chip into a Super Game Boy so you could play GBC games on a Super Nintendo? I have no clue if that's possible. I don't know if that's even something people would want, but if uh, if new Nick Bucket Mouse Bite it wants to kind of explore another crazy proof of concept project, I think that would be pretty awesome as well because that's something a bunch of us who prefer handheld on TV would have really liked to see over the years. So awesome video from Tito as usual. Very cool project from Nick and uh, definitely interested to see what he has coming up next. Now it's time for this week's Mr. News, Care of Lou from Lou's Retro Source. As usual, I'm just going to skim through these, adding my thoughts wherever I feel the need to. But if anything piques your interest, please check out Lou's video or the post or both if you'd like. But first up, Fairly soon, we are going to have an option to overclock the ARM CPU on Mr., which will help for hybrid emulation for things on the 486 and Amiga cores, and slightly reduced game loading times on some other cores. And an underclock option would also be available for any any need for that for different CPU usage. This is going to be disabled by default, so if you don't want it, just not going to. You don't even have to worry about it. But that's pretty cool. The PlayStation Core has been officially updated with a bunch of new features and all the things that we've been talking about over the past few weeks are now there. And there's bilinear filtering, 24-bit color rendering, and 8 megs of RAM for homebrew, with a 480i to 480p hack coming soon, as well as a new way to read the controllers. Robert was just posting about this today. So overall, he's absolutely killing it with the, the PlayStation Core. Thank you very much, Robert. So many awesome things coming to that. Anton Gale is continuing to update the Xerian core. Um, the sound is playing correctly and background issues have been fixed, but there's still a few things to go and it's almost ready for a public release. There's a new version of Downloader that has up to a two and a half times speed increase and a new PC launcher for updating a Mr. installation using a desktop computer, which is pretty cool because if you already have your Mr. SD card out. You could just use it like that. I really wish this was out when I uh, when I was making that Mr. video because rather than run the update on your Mr., it might be easier to just run it from your PC, but very cool. SRG320 has posted some updates to the Saturn core that help some get some more games working. It's There's still no official releases. You can get the unofficial builds that people have compiled, but it does look like progress is coming along steadily and very exciting. There's also a bunch of updates to the PCXT core, including a mouse driver, an OSD rework, and uh, improved simulated composite. The OutRun core looks like it's ready for a beta release um, upcoming uh, this beta release Friday. It's obviously, you know, it's not there until it's there. And on a personal note, um, I think there were some people complaining about the releases coming from Hotego's team, which is just ridiculous to me, by the way. They they put in so much hard work. I, maybe it's a language barrier. Maybe people were saying, oh, I, I love the Mr. Project and I, you know, I, I love all of these cores, but I wish every day I could wake up to a new one. That's fair. I think that too. I wouldn't say it out loud because I wouldn't want people to misunderstand it, but hopefully it's just that and not people who are really ignorantly not understanding what's going on uh, and how these cores are created, because it's far from easy. And the fact that we're getting this many updates at all is kind of mind boggling to me. So, you know, just wanted to, to put that out there and give a, a shout out to the, any of the devs that are working on this. Any kind of negativity you hear, just ignore it. Because remember, 
the most average person using the mystery project you're never going to hear from because they have things that the complainers don't have like lives and families and friends and happiness so just remember that you're going to hear the trolls more than anybody else also there's been some updates to the raising x68k commodore 16 c16 zx spectrum and a bunch of other cores so if you want more details and all of that stuff definitely check out lou's video and as always thanks to lou because Without him, I would never be able to keep up with all of these different updates. I recently did a live stream reviewing Arcuda's 32-inch 1080p arcade monitor, and I liked so many things about it. I do want to put things into perspective starting out, though, and say if you are just looking for a simple solution for a computer monitor or TV that's low latency and good for gaming, it might be a better idea to just go to Walmart, Best Buy, Amazon, or whatever, and find a, an easy flat panel that already has lag test ratings posted somewhere and just pick that up. However, there is a lot of potential for this one and a lot of really awesome use cases. So I want to dig in here and give the full overview of it. And I think a lot more people might be interested in this than they kind of originally anticipated. So maybe stick with me on this. But this is essentially a panel designed for custom arcade setups. There's no stand and no visa mount. It has four right angle brackets that you could mount to all sides if you want. Although I imagine just two of the brackets would probably be more than enough. But you could orient it any way you'd like. You could mount it wherever you would like. And it has a VGA and an HDMI input. And this was designed for Arcuda's Game Wizard, which is basically a Vulex style flat panel arcade machine that could handle everything from retro resolutions all the way up to 1080p modern. I was able to get it up to 75 hertz. I don't know if it could go any higher than that. I could not get it running higher than that. But 75 hertz is actually a fun coincidence because that's also the Wonderswan core. But anyway, it performed really well, but I see a completely different use case than their 20-inch monitor that I recently reviewed. The 20-inch monitor had in the context of a built-in flat panel scaler, a really awesome scaler that could take 15 kilohertz RGB and send it to the native resolution of the panel with bars around it so you get a true integer scale. And it even has sharp scaling built in. This had that as well, but I couldn't get 15 kilohertz sources working right through the VGA analog input. So for this one, I would say if you wanted to use this in an arcade setup and you had 15 kilohertz consoles, so anything 240p or 480i, get them into a scaler, even just a line doubler, uh, to get them over to HDMI digital and at least 480p. Now, that said, when I connected a Dreamcast directly in, 480p and up did a very good job sharp scaling. It didn't do as sharp of a scale as their 20-inch did, but once again, in the context of a built-in scaler, you could plug a Dreamcast into this thing, and it's going to look totally fine scaled up to the 1080p native resolution, which that alone is pretty impressive. But this really was designed for a custom arcade style. So imagine you have, let's just say, a Mr. Connected, so there you don't even have to worry about scaling, but you also have a Dreamcast and a PS3 and, heck, maybe even a PS5 or a PC. That's kind of what this is designed for. It just accepts all of these different ranges of signals in a, an arcade built-in feel. And I think it does a great job with all of them, except 15 kilohertz, of course. Latency is 1.3 milliseconds if you're running it in 1080p. The highest I saw the latency get to was 1.8 milliseconds. So under two milliseconds lag. Um, 
the motion blur ghosting isn't nearly as bad as you would expect from a lower cost LCD panel. It's pretty good, all things considered. Then overall, I just I think if you take it in the context of you want to use their game wizard or you're building a Vulex style panel or you have a Vulex style panel or machine with a dead panel, this might be the perfect replacement for you. Um, the only complaint I have, it's kind of half complaint, half just letting you know. Audio isn't handled at all. So if you're using HDMI, you need to use some kind of extractor first. I would imagine that almost everybody who would build something like this would at least want the option for streaming. So plugging your HDMI switch or whatever you have into one of those splitters that I reviewed, grabbing digital audio from that, and then sending the other HDMI to both your capture card and the panel is probably what you would want to do anyway. So that's not a big deal. And I don't, I would not call that a complaint, except in the on-screen display, there are still options for audio, which is confusing. I think I wasted like a good half hour of that live stream trying to figure out what that was all about. So I do, I guess that was really one of my only complaints from their 20 inch is the firmware on the OSD could have really used some cleaning up. Zero deal breaker stuff here. Nothing that will hurt your workflow. Nothing that'll hurt your gaming, but the buttons are labeled wrong and this one up is down and down is up again. There's audio stuff in there, even though there's no audio extraction. There's a 3.5 millimeter jack, even though there's no audio input or extraction on it or speakers. So the only complaint is just in that it presents itself in a way where you think that there's audio, but there isn't. Uh, but if they get that cleaned up in the next rev, I definitely wouldn't call that a complaint. I would just say it's something you need to be aware of. And there's tons of good audio solutions. And let's be honest, if you actually care about audio, there has never been a flat panel that I've tested, at least, that has speakers worth a shit, especially if you take price into consideration and all of that stuff. So doesn't if you're building your own arcade, you're definitely going to want to use your own speakers anyway. So that part wasn't a really big deal. Um, the other things that people had asked, I don't have the ability to test 24 kilohertz sources, but I spoke to Arcuda and they said they don't think it supports it now. It might be something they would try to add in a future rev, but if you buy this right now, no, 24 kilohertz is not going to work. Also, people were asking what the size is for 4x3 games. So let's see, say you run a Dreamcast or a GameCube or something in 480p to it. I'd say consider it to be about a 25-inch panel. Obviously, with you know space on the sides that you're not using, I say about because when it comes to overscan, if you're running in 1080p 5x versus any other mode, you could be as wide as 26 and as narrow as 24. But so 25-ish is what you would expect for size. It is also too wide to fit in something like an Astro City. So this is really truly a replacement for flat panel arcade gaming. Arcuda is looking into other sizes for panel replacements. Um, they're 20-inch is out of stock from them. You might still find a distributor that has it, but I know that would be too small for something like an Astro City. So we're really still deep in the part shortage and we're just starting to see the light at the end of the tunnel here. So while there really isn't much to choose from now, I hope that's going to change by this time next year. And Arcuda seems like they're going to put some real effort into trying to get these products out to us. So if you want more details, I summarized the whole live stream in the post. Uh, if you want to watch in real time, including all the fumbling, or if you just would like to bump me up in the algorithm, let that play in the background. <laughs> uh, but what I said here is basically a pretty good summary of it. And I just think 
Arcuda is a company that we should be keeping our eyes on because this is twice now that they've delivered exactly what they promised. They didn't promise the world. They didn't say it was some, you know, 480 hertz, 4K OLED panel. That They were honest in their marketing and we got exactly what they marketed to us. So keep an eye on them and what they have. And if you're interested in either a 20 inch or a 32 inch version, check out this and the previous review and hope you could find distributors. And I did hear that they're trying to talk to at least one U.S. distributor. So hopefully these will be easier to get in North America relatively soon. So, uh, yeah, definitely another impressive panel. And I'm looking forward to see what else we could do with this one. Humble Bazooka just announced that they'll soon be selling a Bluetooth adapter for 3DO game consoles. And this is based off of Blue Retro by Darth Cloud, which is a very low latency Bluetooth controller protocol that can get you as low as less than half a frame of latency with specific controllers. There aren't too many details and no pre-orders open yet, but it would be interesting to see how many controllers could be paired to the 3DO. I believe some games allow up to eight players, but can't imagine anybody had an eight-player 3DO gaming session as a kid, but I didn't know that many people had even owned them. However, the potential is certainly there. The Bluetooth limitation should be seven, because I believe eight, as uh, Alex described in the post, I believe eight devices is the max that could be paired to one Bluetooth device with the device itself being one of those. So seven would be the theoretical max anyway, but in my opinion, I think just being able to have two controllers synced up to it would probably be a pretty good thing. So we will get you more details as soon as they're available. If you want a little bit more info on the project, check out Alex's post. But very cool to see some more adapters for even some of the otter consoles that don't normally get as much love. Well, that's it for this time. I hope people stuck around for the decks, the Arcuda, and the segment about the mystery video I did, because while at first it might not seem like that stuff applies to you, I think if you were to put that into perspective and think more about it, maybe it would, or maybe not. And either way, I appreciate all your time. So thank you very much for watching, listening, playing nicely in the comments, and especially thank you to anybody who supports in any way possible, because it is you who is allowing all of this stuff to keep going. So thank you all very much, and I'll see you next week.